0: Hey
1: The text for the sermon this day is taken from a variety of readings, but also this reading from Matthew 13, which says, and they took offense at Jesus, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. You, that is the text. You may be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we celebrate the feast or the festival of St. James of Jerusalem, the brother of Jesus, who is a martyr for the faith. Now, it's notable that James is the brother of Jesus, this is a fact that is actually verified outside of the scriptures. One of the writings of Josephus, who is the great historian of the Jewish, of the first century Israel, records about James' death and records that James was the brother of the one called Christ. But the thing is, James was not always a fan of Jesus. Because, I mean, think about this. For those of you who have siblings, did any of you happen to have that time, when, you have that where you're growing up, and your parents maybe said, you know, if you were just a little bit more like your brother or your sister, you would be doing this or doing that. Anybody know the experience of being compared to a sibling? Or, maybe they didn't outright say it, You knew they were thinking it. Or maybe you thought they were thinking it. The comparisons and the rivalries of siblings goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. Now imagine that your brother is Jesus. He is literally, he is in every sense of of the phrase, a gift from God. The whole idea that you've got to act more like your brother, in this case, it's true. You actually have to act more like your brother. And you, can, and you cannot ever live up to his status. He doesn't sin. And your parents tell, probably told many times how he was born. But as far as you could tell, he is nothing special. Because I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in the Gospels, you have no recording about Jesus' life in only, or I should take it back, only one recording of his life in between his birth and when he, when he is baptized. And the only recording is him getting lost, or, or I should say his parents losing him, which let's face it, that does not make him Somebody special, because I think a lot of parents know the experience of losing their child, even in something like you know in Fairway or whatever. So, as far and the reason in in the Gospels that you don't hear anything of his life in between his birth and his baptism is because there's nothing worth recording. Jesus's life was so utterly normal, so utterly routine. Other than the fact that he never sinned, he was completely normal. Yes, I know there's legends and myths that have risen up over the years that he healed, that he resurrected a bird or whatever. But as far as the Bible's concerned, we have no record of anything that he did. And the reason is, is his life was so normal. And so if you're James, And you're being told that your brother is somebody special. You aren't seeing it. And then he becomes an adult. And he goes and forgives sins. James was well-knowledged in the scriptures. He knew that the only person that could forgive sins was God. So here's his brother acting like he is God. Act is claiming to be the Christ, claiming to be the Messiah. But as far as James could tell, he couldn't really see it. Which is why, as you read in there, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. In the Gospel of John, it verifies that James considered his brother to be a disgrace to the family. He was not at all a fan of Jesus. He wished his brother was a very different person. And then you look at what our first reading was for today. Acts 15. There you have the very same James standing tall before the other before the disciples which includes Peter which includes Paul and he is talking as the one with authority he is talking as the bishop of the church in Jerusalem something changed and the thing that changed is he saw his brother his brother Jesus, who he knew without a doubt, was crucified, dead and buried. He saw that very same Jesus risen. And that is one way to convince somebody who you are. When Jesus when James saw Jesus physically alive after being crucified, He knew that Jesus was who he claimed to be the whole time. And James confessed that faith to such a degree that he eventually would be thrown off of the temple in Jerusalem and beaten and stoned to death rather than deny that his brother was the Christ, that his brother was the Son of God. See, in our day and age, we have people that die for the faith quite routinely. Quite a bit. Most notably, the Islamic extremists are willing to do extreme things for the sake of Allah. But here's the thing. Those Islamic extremists, they have never met Allah. They have never met Muhammad. Muhammad has not been alive for over a thousand years. James was the flesh and blood brother of Jesus in a way that only a few other people are like. And that namely, the other people are the other brothers and the other sisters. He knew Jesus very, very well. He knew him better than we do. Because he saw him in every bit. He saw Jesus when he was was learning in synagogue or when he was at the temple. He was there with Jesus when he was eating a sandwich. Well, granted sandwiches probably weren't quite what they are now. But he was there with Jesus when he ate a regular routine meal. So if anybody knew that Jesus did not rise from the dead, it was James. And he had no reason to believe. He had every reason to believe he didn't rise from the dead because of his dislike for his brother. And yet, he died for the resurrection, saying that Jesus rose from the dead. It is very, very difficult to get somebody to die for something that they know is a lie. That's what separates the apostles. That's what separates James from that of an Islamic extremist. An Islamic extremist dies thinking what they believe is true. They do not die knowing it's true. The disciples died knowing whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. And James is one of the greatest arguments for the faith one of the greatest evidences for the resurrection of Jesus but before James died he wrote a book of the bible which is the epistle of James which if i don't know if you know this but martin luther did not like that one he, in fact he called it an epistle of straw and the reason he said this is Because Luther lived in the time of Rome, of the Roman Church, when they were the the church for just about everyone. And they were teaching that one must be good enough to be saved. Do this or do that, and you will be saved. And so he had a problem with James because James was the book of the Bible that was most commonly used by the Roman Church. And to be fair, the early church, when they originally canonized the New Testament, there were certain books of the New Testament that were held in question. And James was one of them. The reason James was held in question is because it read so different from the letters of Paul. Because Paul is the one who famously has the words that you, it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of your works, lest anyone should boast. And so people would pick up James and you'd say, "Faith without works is dead." And so the early church and Luther struggled with James, like wondering, how could James be true? and also Paul's writings be true? Well, later in Luther's life, he understood how both could be true. Because Luther, later in his life, changed his tone with James. Because one of the great accusations against him was that if you went around teaching that a person could be saved by grace through faith, that their works did not save them, it was charged that people would just live recklessly. They live however they darn well pleased. They say, "Well, God's going to forgive me, anyways." Anybody ever heard somebody talk like that? That was a charge against Luther, and there's some truth to it because people did act like that. People did begin to think like that. Even Paul anticipated it when he wrote in Romans six: "Should we go on sinning, that grace may abound?" Many people, wanted. it seems like many, want to answer Paul and say, yes. And ignore what Paul's answer actually was, which was, by no means, never, ever, ever, do we go on sinning that grace may abound. And so James was written because, as Paul's letters circulated, the teaching of grace through faith was circulating. And James was very much on board with this. And by the way, there's a reason you should appreciate James telling you that evangelism would be really, really tricky if it weren't for the council in Jerusalem. Because you'd have to tell every man that if they get converted, they also have to be circumcised. It would make conversion a little bit tricky. That was what was going on in Acts 15. That was James saying, standing up and saying that we are not going to demand that newborn Christians be circumcised because there were those who were saying that they had to. James did understand salvation is by grace. But he also understood that a person who has faith will look like they have faith. That they would be as Gary Teese who will be here in a few weeks, says, "Not normal." They would live differently. They would look at the cost of their sin, that Jesus had to be beaten, tortured and put to death on account of our sin that we would look at the fact that we have died to our sin, the fact that our bodies are frail and breaking and we are dying every moment of our life because of our sin, we would look at it and say, I cannot go on with this. I must be different. Which is why James said, faith without works is dead. He said that, he said, charged people, said, You say that you believe that there is a God. Good. So do the demons, and they shudder. Faith is more than just believing that there is a God, faith is believing in God and living accordingly. That means our entire life is shaped by the fact that we are children of God. It means that we are patient. That we are to be kind. That we are to be gentle. We are to be humble. Never acting as if we are better than anyone. Because we more than anyone should realize that we are sinners. And we have received grace from God. It means that when we see somebody in need, we are the people that step up and help. When we see a person struggling in their sin, we are the ones that stand up and help them. Not to judge them, but because the the sin is to their harm. I know in our communities, there are things that are in our communities. There are sins and struggles that we like to ignore. Alcohol abuse is one that stands out in my mind. That I know is a reality in many of our communities. And it's been going on for generations. But we want to pretend it's not there and say they can live how they want. But in reality, we should be looking and seeing that they are destroying themselves and their families. And out of love, should be stepping forward and seeking to help. We are to be different. We are to help those in need whenever, wherever possible. That's why the book of James was written. It was a charge to Christians to live not normal lies. To be set apart. To be different. Because there is plenty of pain. There is plenty of suffering in this world. You are here for the reason to show the love of Christ to the world. I'm... For If any of you don't know, I am on the board of Early Childhood of Iowa, um, along with Merlin. And every, about September, usually, we go through the statistics of our counties and look at the numbers, especially of poverty, look at the abuse statistics, and you actually see right there what the needs are. The hurt and the suffering in our communities. That Osceola County, I don't know if you know this, has unusually, actually is kind of high compared to our other counties when it comes to child abuse. There are problems in our, con- in our own area, in our own communities. You are here to be loving, compassionate. To stand up for those who need help. And most importantly, you are here to be like James and confess that Jesus rose from the dead, even at the cost of our own lives. Because there is no more precious message. Because it is indeed true. You are saved by grace. None of your works can save you. God came down when you were helpless and saved you. Declared you his child when you couldn't do a thing. Therefore, as recipients of that love, may we be in his word, be in his sacrament, and tell the world of his love. Live in that love until he returns. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. Please stand as we sing the today.